You're listening to War for Idiots, a podcast by idiots for idiots. So we're live now, mate, um, by the looks of it. You sent me the link? Yeah, I will. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're live. In fact, that's actually the first thing people heard. So it turns out it was live while it was loading up. So people have got our chat before I said we're live. <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to, um, what could go wrong, hey? I'm just going to find your, oh, I'll find your uh, message window. Where are you? As in, we just start now? People listen to us, so let's go. <laughs> so when you say, let's do this, you mean, <laughs> like, let's start now. Yeah, and like your face comes up in the top corner when you talk and my face comes up when I talk so that's cool all right here we go ladies and gentlemen boys and girls podcast listeners all around this COVID world hello and welcome back to another episode of war for idiots WFI uh, as always uh, we are your hosts I am Rich the Dimwit and I am Mick the Nitwit. I changed the, uh, the I notes saw you because changed I, you I needed a shorter one in case we did subtitles, but we're not doing subtitles, so that's cool. Thank you very much. And we are indeed the idiots that you have been looking for. And today we are doing another episode and we are doing a case study into the USS Theodore Roosevelt and, of course, it's Captain Brett Crozier. Well, it's 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 former Captain Captain Brett Crozier. Well, he's still, he's ranked still Captain, isn't he? Yeah. Was that his rank not- anyway? It was his rank, but he is not the captain of the ship anymore for no. those that were tracking that incident. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a different case study uh, that we're doing today. We have done case studies in the past, but we haven't sort of done one that's so contemporary. The stuff we we're talking about is, you know, less than a week old, really. Yeah, yeah, it is. And well, yes, yeah, it's like there's still stuff happening like... Uh, it's not over. It's yeah, not it's over. not like, you know, our US pals are probably feeling this really... I don't know. I don't have a word for that. Good, good. Really good pod. Really good pod. King of Australian podcast. Thank you. Um, but before we do, uh, we just wanted to start by thanking all of our listeners. We've had such a You wanted warm, to thank them. I, I wanted to thank I wanted to thank all of our listeners. We've had such a warm and um, heartfelt welcome back to the podcasting world. Yeah. Um, we've already had some great reviews left on uh, Apple. Uh, we've had some YouTube likes after uh, Mick and his debacle of trying to get us to live stream, which I hey, think we're doing. It wasn't me. It was Zoom. It's because the world found out Zoom. they were leaking all of our information. I don't think it was Zoom. I think it was you. All right. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we tried to go live the exact same time that Zoom rolled out a new update. So. Yeah. 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 So it, uh, needless to say, it didn't work. Uh, Who are you going like, Look at my multi-million dollar podcasting studio. <laughs> much like the very first episode of season one, uh, it was lost to the ages, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> no, we, are, no, we are back. Yeah, but we do appreciate the 56 people who watched the video. That's right. Uh, and hopefully you're enjoying seeing us in person as well. Uh, Mick in his million, multi-million dollar studio, uh, which is 100% real. It uh, is. And, uh, I, can, I can walk around. A lot. Well, I demonstrated that last time. Go back and watch last week, guys. And, uh, and myself in uh, my home uh, lockdown uh, cave, uh, because I can't afford a green screen. You get to see exactly what's in the background. Uh, so hopefully you're enjoying that. And hopefully, ladies and gentlemen, all out there, uh, you are staying safe. Uh, you are staying healthy uh, and you're getting through this COVID crisis. Uh, and that you're we're staying going. home. You're staying home and uh, we can add a little bit to your day uh, and hopefully make you think about a few things. So let's get straight into this. Today, we are talking about 
a contemporary case study, which is the USS Theodore Roosevelt. So we, we probably should start with some background with regards to what this is for those that are completely... Um, no, this is of- not a background. This is a studio. That That's... An- I'm going to pretend that that happened. Sorry, sorry um, I, was, I was tweeting. I was trying to I get our pizza so out there. I was so jolted by how unfunny that was. I was literally <laughs> going to keep thinking. But, hey, hey, I've said it a thousand times. We're not here to be funny. That's true. That's true. And we, we proved it over and over again. <laughs> All right. You keep, you keep giving everyone the background. I'm going so, to get this up on Facebook so people can talk to us. So, so for those that aren't uh, aware, the USS uh, Theodore Roosevelt is one of uh, the USA's many, many aircraft carriers huge 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 ship um a bit of background huge USS, oh, ship huge yep. ship ship with a p so the uss theodore roosevelt is the fourth nimitz class nuclear powered aircraft carrier in the united states navy she is named in honor of course of theodore roosevelt the 26th president of the united states interestingly the ship carries the radio call sign rough rider uh, which is the nickname of President Roosevelt, uh, Roosevelt's voluntary cavalry unit during the Spanish-American War. Now, <laughs> How good's having your own cavalry unit? Just like uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> so she was launched in 1984 and saw her first action in Operation Desert Storm 1991. Now, we, we did, if, if you are not familiar with naval shipping, uh, which, you know, I, 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 most people are. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's true. Um, we all this, thing is, this thing is big. These aircraft carriers are huge, huge, huge ships that sail the ocean, um, and, and it's astronomical how big they are. You know, they have like five thousand people to crew them. I think right. So people something, refer, something like that. Yeah. People refer to them as floating cities. I've heard. You know, I, I've never been on one myself, but I've heard that it is just like being lost in an absolute city. Um, some stats off the internet. So this ship in particular, the ship's company. So the people that live and operate the ship, three thousand two hundred people. Yeah, uh, which is astronomical. And then on top of that, the air wing, so the, the members of the Navy and the Air Force that operate the aircraft off the aircraft carrier, an additional 2,480 people. So over 5,500 people on the ship. It's just mind-blowing how big this ship is. Um, and the reason we're talking about it today is because in recent COVID times, there's been some controversy with this ship, uh, especially its captain. And we're going to go through uh, some of those topics uh, this evening. So we're going to cover this case study. And as I said, it's a little bit different to what we've spoken about uh, previously. Nick, any topics that you think we're going to be covering as we go through some of these things today? Yeah, I think we'll probably co- cover the ones you wrote down in the show notes. Um, I, mean, why, why, why did you, I mean, you're the, moral, you're the one that brought this up. You're I did, because I thought, um, I, I thought because of moral courage, bravery, leadership, duty, following what it's like, you've nailed everything, personal and professional ethics. And one thing that I've found, um, the hashtag Mule Twitter community out there on Twitter mm. have been really going after is this whole idea of, um, you know, you'll know this saying, you know, um, mission first men always, um, mm. which I just, I hate that saying because I don't think it's a, well, one, it doesn't make sense because you, you're starting off a list and then your second point isn't listed in priority order. But also um, apart from the English language semantics of it, um, by separate, I don't, I don't see them as separate, right? Like, because, you know, if he decided mission first and no men, yeah, yeah, or it, women. Like, he can't. It, he can't crew that ship. There's three three thousand two hundred people to crew it, right? So I, I, I wanted to get into it to understand uh, and and talk with our listeners about how you know this idea of uh, the mission or the men. It's not actually. Um, and by men, I mean both genders. It's just a term. Uh, yeah. it, it's not actually something that um, 
you can separate easily. And I, I actually personally don't believe he was trying to se- separate that. And, and when we get into it, we'll probably talk about how his idea of the mission and, and the welfare of his crew was so tightly interlinked that, you know, it's, it's not a question of either or. It's a question of the whole thing. Can it be achieved or can't it? That's right. And I think that I think that last part you said about either or the bipolar or sorry, the, the polarizing effect that this case study has had on people. People have gone, oh, he's made the right decision. He hasn't made the right decision. It's all about the crew. It's all about the mission. It's really divided a lot of people out there, which I think, you know, after researching into it, um, after you recommended it, uh, why it makes it a very good contemporary uh, case study for us to get into. But if, if you don't understand anything we're talking about yet, uh, we're going to explain some of the background now and uh, and we'll get straight into it. Yeah, we can't guarantee we understand it either. Uh, no, I, I can guarantee that um, you will understand it. <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know where it's gone. You know, we're, you're halfway through a sentence and you're not sure where it's going to go. Yeah, that happens okay. to me all the time and then my co-host really attacks me for it. Yeah, that guy is such, a, such an idiot. Okay, so let's look at the background. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, this huge, ginormous aircraft carrier, the USS Theodore Roosevelt, yes. is sailing. The, the huge ship. A huge ship is sailing from Vietnam into the Southeast Asia region. Um, why is this ship out in the region during this time of uh, pandemic? Well, we have to understand that this ship is a huge part of the American uh, security infrastructure. Yeah, um, and the pandemic's now- not going to spread itself. That's a lie, <laughs> no, ladies and gentlemen. You terrible. can see it does spread it's itself. No, no, that's so- obviously not why they were there. So the, this ship in particular is one of the USA's forward station ships, okay? And it maintains this forward warfighting presence known as forward waters, okay? So it's, it's, it's away from shores, not in the front line, but has this huge presence out there where it needs to have a presence, and in this case, in the Southeast Asia region. Now, um, in the time that this incident occurred, and we're talking two weeks ago, uh, there were three of these ships in total out there, including another aircraft carrier out in the Persian Gulf and one in Japan. So this is just the context of what the ship is doing out there in this time. And of course, the US Navy has up to 10 or 11 of these huge deployable large deck ships, of which only two or three are typically deployed large, on large station. Large ships? Large deck ships. Right. Okay. Large, just large really, decks on the huge ships. You've got to be really careful with your diction as you're talking, as you're going through <laughs> some of these words. Okay. I think you mean right. diction. So as we're going through, please don't tell them that was funny, everyone. So as we're going through this case study. <laughs> it was so this ship is on sale, on sale back from Vietnam. And on the 24th of March. How much for? Three, oh my God, that's terrible. <laughs> so bad. Well, you're the one trying to sound like a sailor. It so was terrible. sailing back from Vietnam. So oh, sail. oh, my God. So on the 24th of March, three of the sailors test positive for COVID-19 whilst they're transiting from Vietnam. And in the next subsequent days, the numbers suddenly begin to rise rapidly on the ship. Now, a huge ship, but not in particularly huge area for five and a half thousand people to be crammed into. Right, so hmm. the ship is ordered to stop its current scale se- uh, sail schedule uh, and pull into Guam, and that's on the 27th of March. And, I, and I'm being fairly specific with the dates, so you can see how quick, quickly this time frame sort of comes together. Now, on the 27th of March, what we can gather is that Captain Grazier has received Grazier. very Grazier Grazier Grazier. 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 No, no, you've written Grazier, and that's a, that's a person who has cows. Um, but Crozier, 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 Crozier
gets fired from ships. So. Captain Crozier receives fairly limited advice on how to deal with the spread of this pandemic. He's being yep. told on the ship, practice social distancing, practice hygiene, <laughs> keep people away from each other. Like it's and a big ship, but like come it's on. A big ship, but there's, there's also a lot of people. Yeah, and, and maybe our listeners don't know what hot bunking is either, where like some some positions on the ship they literally share bunks. So sidebar. Um, so I have a, I have I have a friend in the navy, and he told me about. Uh, a trip that he did once and he hot bunked with another guy and that is one bed two people so only one of you is working at a time so you share the bed yep. hence you need less beds six weeks he did six hours on six hours off hot bunking for six weeks straight it sounds like the most miserable miserable cruise ever why would it? you join the navy i just don't, I don't know i don't, I don't know. think they do they call them cruises i don't know or maybe they, they call definitely them call them, no they definitely call them cruises um cool. but anyway so from what we can tell he's been given some pretty harsh or not harsh but pretty limited advice on how to stupid. deal with this situation advice. So it brings us to our first sort of decision point. You are the captain of this huge ship. You are pulled into this country. You know that this thing that is gripping the world by storm is spreading on your ship and it's spreading fast. It's spreading faster than, you know, arguably some of the places around the world. You know, what do you do? And I think there's a lot of sort of difficulties on what, what could he have done? What should he have done in this point in time? I mean, he has a job that he has to do. Um, but does he have all the tools? Does he have all the information to do this job? I'm not too sure. And all around him at this time, uh, the world is literally falling apart. You know, we're talking about the end of March here. The, the, ep the epidemic is hitting us the hardest and we're trying to understand what we need to do in the world. So what are your, what are your thoughts about this man at this point in time? Like he's, you know, you know, you said, you know, it's like a, people call it like a floating city um, yeah. at this, at this time. You know, he's got to feel like the like a like a guy on a lonely island, and I don't mean that right. really cool music band, but you know, it's a pretty lonely sort of world for most of us sitting in ISO because of the Rona. But like this guy goes for advice, and it's just like they come back and say, you know, basically do what everyone else is doing. It, you, yeah, it should work for you because you know it's clearly working for the US right now. That's sarcasm. Pull yeah. your heads in, US. Learn to deal with the pandemic. But um, you know, it's. Oh, good. Reese Crawley's there. He's uh, in our case study. Hey, I'll uh, I'll write something back like you suck, Reese, or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, this guy's lonely. He goes for advice, and they give him the same advice they're giving school children in the US. Stay away from each other. Don't Stay away from hands. each other. Oh, good. Got it. Excellent. All right. So the water room's out. The hot punks are out. So, so, so you're on twenty four instead of six, and then six sleep, then six. No, you're on twenty four because the other guys in the bed and he's yeah. coughed in there like mate, it, what do you do in this situation look and look we, we don't know all the information we don't know all the context but it, but it's hard not to think he's just in a really difficult situation you know what i mean and he's almost pushed in the corner that that he's, he's got to do something you know um and this is i think where where his sort of first decision point sort of came into light of what he needs to do so so what does he do well on the 30th of march uh three days now in the timeline numbers are going up for people that are testing positive uh, on the ship he writes a letter. So he writes a letter, um, and this is the letter that will uh, be infamous for him, uh, will leave to his uh, being removed from command eventually. Uh, and yep. this letter goes to, he, he addresses it to approximately 20 to 30 different people. He sends it via unclassified networks. Um, and, and it's a pretty straightforward letter. Now, we have a copy of the letter uh, due, to our amazing <laughs> slew, due to our amazing sleuthing and connections around the world because everyone has a copy of the letter i think that might be part of the 
Um, but what, what I get you to be is if you can read the bottom line up front, that paragraph there, because I think I think it, yeah. it sort of it, it contextualizes perfectly his mindset and what the rest of the letter is going to say. So once you go for it, I'm just zooming in because I'm really old. I didn't want to wear my glasses on the show because <laughs> I'm vain as well. So uh, so this is the bluff. So people who don't know what the bluff is, Richie said it, it's the bottom line up front. Now, um, I found that not everyone knows that either. I thought that was like a business term. I've used it in business. People are like, what are you, why are you bluffing us? Not a good look uh, when you're good. trying to close a deal. Uh, if required, the USS Theodore Roosevelt would embark all assigned sailors, set sail, and be ready to fight and beat any adversary that dares challenge the US or our allies. The virus would certainly have an impact, but in combat, we're willing to take certain risks that are not acceptable in peacetime. However, we are not at war and therefore cannot allow a single sailor to perish as a result of this pandemic unnecessarily. Decisive action is required now in order to comply with CDC and NAVADMIN 083-20 guidance and prevent tragic outcomes. And I think, I mean, I think that's a really good start to this letter. You know, we, yeah. we are not at war at this point in time, the lives of the people on the crew are my number one priority, which is what yep. he's saying. So yeah. we, need to, we need to do something. If you and needed me to fight, I'd fight. You don't exactly. need me to fight right now. So I need to keep my sailors alive. Yeah, exactly. And so he goes through the detail. He goes through the case study of uh, one of the cruise ships, the, the, excuse me, the cruise ship Diamond Princess. Um, yep. And the final sentence of the abstract that he takes from that case study, because he's, you know, it's kind of the same thing. It's a ship, thousands of people. And he says uh, about it, conclusion, the cruise ship conditions clearly amplified an already highly transmissible disease. The public health measures prevented more than 2,000 additional cases compared to no interventions. However, evacuating all passengers and crew early on in the outbreak would have prevented many more passengers and crew from the infection. So he's sort of saying, look, I think we have a solution. And the solution is here in Guam, we need to just evacuate everyone. And he says it in the letter as well. He's got a proposed strategy, um, maintain maximum war fighting. However, get everyone out, get them isolated, get this thing under control, and they'll be back on board and we'll be ready to go. And um, I just wanted to read the, the, the last paragraph that he has in this letter. And this is, these are challenges associated with securing individuals lodging for our crew. This will require a political solution, but it is the right thing to do. We are not at war. Soldiers do not need to die. If we do not act now, we are failing to properly take care of our most trusted asset, trusted asset, our sailors. And then he signs off the letter. Now, look, a pretty powerful letter, in my opinion. Mm. I think he, you know, he's stating, he's putting all his cards on the table. He's saying, there's a solution to this. I need political support to make this solution work. Um, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, what are your thoughts on this letter? Any, any, anything outside of that? No, and I think, um, I mean, we, we'll go into the controversy, but you know, a lot of the controversy was not as, um, was more about uh, where it was received as opposed to the, the um, contents. But you know, this, is a, this is not someone shirking his duty. This is not someone saying, "Hey, I don't know what to do. it's it's all a bit tough." So yeah. we're just gonna we're just gonna dock, and uh, you'd lose your online carrier. What he's saying is, you know, if you want this carrier to remain ready for for war, you know, 
we'll do it. But at the moment, we're at peace. So how about we sort about looking after our sailors? I think it's a very reasonable, sensible letter um, outlining the concerns that he has in both the lives of his sailors and being able to maintain capability. Absolutely. And I think the very crux of the problem that he faced is that we are discussing this letter two weeks after it's been sent. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think that's that's the issue that the Navy had with it. Yes, everything you said was amazing. Everything you said is right. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, what happened afterwards. Uh, but why did you send this to everyone? Why did 20 <laughs> to 30 people receive this letter? Why I have no was idea it... why we were on the list, to be honest. I don't know why he sent it directly to us via Facebook, but thank you. No, no. Um, <laughs> you know, the day after it was published, so on the 31st of April, it was published in the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, 31st that's of March. Sorry, March. April, that hasn't yeah. come yet, 31st of yeah. April. Yeah, I don't um, know if there is one, is there? Which is where we obtained our... Um, private copy and um so look so i think that's that's the crux of it and that's kind of like the real the real polarization of this case compassionate uh mission driven man but but putting the mission aside to save the men and women under his command but the way that he chose to do it wasn't really aligned with how the military wanted him to do it so i think that's really the issue that we have here yeah um can i just take a time out i've just seen a tweet from a a very uh, esteemed um academic on the laws of war and uh in a book she's just released she talks discusses a policeman whose name was frederick sickadick all right let's go back to crozier um (laughs) so um but yeah and when we say he was fired by the navy um for those who aren't familiar with the u.s system Mm. they 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 have secretaries of each of the services as well Mm. um so so in australia if you said he was fired by the navy you would That'd be the chief of navy, right? Um, it would be a military person. Mm. Uh, in the US, it was fired by the secretary of the Department of the Navy, so mm. the secretary of the Navy. So he wasn't fired by a uniformed person. Mm. Yeah. So Trump brought him into his office and said, "You're fired." Basically, that's how it happened. Yeah. That's. No, Trump wasn't on the carrier. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, he- I don't know. He might <laughs> be. But like I'm he's sorry, a robot, just, right? So they might have had a Trump robot that he could just... I was just thinking about this show. I love, I, love, I love that show. Okay, so... Oh, The Apprentice. Oh, my God. I never, I never saw it. Really good. It was actually really good. Um, okay, so the question is, did he do the right thing? Because um, a lot of people, you know, I've read a lot of articles about this now, um, and the people that are not on his side are saying that he was very alarmist in nature. Um, you know, someone, someone on Twitter sort of said, hey, his immediate supervisor was already on the ship and they were already dealing with the situation and he didn't actually need to send this letter, but this was more of getting himself out there, which, you know, you take that with a grain of salt. But did he do the right thing? Um, I think it's all about, you know... He he wanted to be sacked. So... That's ridiculous. I think if you ask yourself, did he do the right thing? You kind of have have to ask yourself, did he do the right thing for who? So I think if you ask yourself, did he do the right thing for the sailors, for those of whose welfare uh, he, you know, seems like he was genuinely looking after. I, I, I mean, I think he did. I think he was very much looking after the welfare of the sailors. And um, and I think that that is shown in how this case certainly came to my attention in the video that went on Twitter. Um, that is him being farewell from the ship. Do you want to see yeah. if you can get that up? Yeah, I've got one from Australia's ABC News. This is one of the ones, the one that really blew my socks off. And I first, uh, like I woke up, um, checked Twitter. I was like, man, what's happened in the US? Um was the one where you can see the massive sailors yeah. um, 
crowding yeah. around him. Uh, but I'll um I'll not bring social up... distancing. No, no, no. So they, yeah, the social distancing obviously wasn't going to work for them. Yeah. Right. I should bring this one up now. Yep, that's the one. Hit share. Cool. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, you should be able to see this video going now. Mm. And I'll just hit play. Yeah. So it's him, it's him being farewelled. Yeah, um, you can't see him because there's so many sailors. Yeah, everyone's clapping. Um, I mean, it's 5,000 people. They, they all, you know, he, he very much sacrificed his career for them. Um, he sacrificed I'm trying his to watch sort of the movie. professionalism for them. Um, and the video is just them all standing around sort of paying their respects. Him walking down the gangplank um, gangway. I'm not sure. Gangway, yeah. Gangway. I think... Um... Yeah, plank, let's have a walk the plank. Get and here's away. the other one. Here's another one. Uh, oh, is that the same one? No, that's the same one. Exact same one. In yeah. fact, it's from the same news service. So, so right, I think when I'll, we talk um, about, did he do the right thing for the sailors? You know, the answer is yes. Next question. For the Navy, did he necessarily do the right thing? Well, you could argue by looking after the sailors, he is indeed looking after the Navy. But was he not in his public letter publicly embarrassing the service of the Navy, saying that they've got ways to do this, but he hasn't got the support he needs. He needs something from the pol for a political solution for it. You know, from a Navy perspective, I can see very well why going outside the chain of command and making this so public, it could have been taken in the way that it was. Yeah. Um, and as a leader, you know, did he do the right thing as a leader? I mean, who was he ultimately responsible for leading is he a leader of the men and women that are underneath him as in you know he's leading down he's keeping that ship afloat obviously yes and we said that he sort of sacrificed for them but he is also a representative of something that's quite important and the next question is you know from a u.s strategy perspective did he do the right thing i mean it's quite clear now that one of the uh clear american deterrents uh, out there against uh enemies is not at its greatest capacity he made that public through his letter um yeah. he almost gave him a timeline of how long it's going to be so you know from that perspective I, I sort of asked myself again did he do the right thing and and again this is why this argument has become so polarizing because it depends on who you're asking it depends if who is he doing the right thing for that you try to begin to answer that question yeah i mean the leadership part's a really good question um yeah, you because know, it's the responsibility up and the responsibility down, the responsibility across as well. Because you know there are other, there are certainly going to be other concerned U.S. Navy captains of the fleet out there, and you know some of them might be deterred. Some of them might be like, well, I don't want to be sacked. Um, so what's that going to? How's that going to influence their decisions yeah. uh, in managing the same crisis? Because you know we're all going through it. The, the whole world's going through it. Um, but the idea of who is responsible to up and who is responsible to down and, you know, leadership is about being able to get, you know, people to do things they otherwise would not want to do. Right. So, yeah. so um, I yeah. think by and just, and not, not always the people under you, you know, there's, yeah. there's leading up as well. You know, yeah. Maybe, that's right. and, maybe, and maybe that's what he was trying to do. Yeah. And maybe he was trying to, trying to force issue because, you know, he, he's probably uh, a very humble man, but um I'm not sure how surprised it would have been that his sailors had his back like that. Like if he's yeah. that good a leader, he probably would have had a, a feeling that he had a good vibe on his ship. Right. Yeah. Um, and you can probably tell that because he was willing to go public to protect his sailors um, yeah. or in his mind to protect his sailors. So it's that, it's that leadership thing. Like who was he trying to lead at this point? Was it a demonstration for his 
command team under him? Mm-hmm. Was it a demonstration for his sailors or more so was it a demonstration across and up saying, hey, we need to do something about this. This is not okay. Yeah. So what happened? Well, a day after the letter was published, uh, Captain Crozier was given permission to evacuate the ship. So the strategy that he said that needed to happen, yep. he was given permission to do it. Um, and on the 1st of April, uh, only a few days ago, uh, there was only a small skeleton crew that remained on the ship to commence the cleaning of the ship, to maintain the ship, nuclear reactor and all that sort of stuff that's on it. Um, and then the very next day, on the 2nd of April, Captain Crozier is removed from command, as we've spoken about, by Navy Secretary Thomas Modley. Um, and this event uh, was... was acting, acting Secretary of the Navy. Acting Secretary of the Navy, Thomas Modley. Now... Yep. To, to, to make it slightly worse, on the 6th of April, uh, Navy Secretary Thomas Modley flies out to Guam and publicly, in front of the entire ship over the public announcement speaker that they have, heavily criticises the action of Captain Crozier, says that he, <laughs> he's not a great captain, he was alarmist, what he did was not correct writing this letter, uh, which from everything that I've read has not gone down well. Yeah, um, call him stupid and naive. That's right. And then as of the 8th of April... Which uh, in is itself con- is stupid and naive. Like, it. Who turns up to a ship... Like, like, who turns up to a ship full of people who love the guy you just said? Bad move. Bad and then, move. then says that guy's stupid and naive. By the way, can anyone help walk me down this dark corridor? Oh, you, yeah, you guys are? Yeah, cool. No worries. Like, he's lucky he didn't get shivved. You know, I'm sure that they're all professionals in the, uh, in the US Navy. Yeah, all the ones I've met have been. And they don't yeah. shiv people. But, like... Just think about what you're doing, buddy. Like, yeah. how play that out? And you know, for the listeners' background, uh, Modley was a Navy helicopter pilot. Um, I think he spent about seven years in the U.S. Navy. Um, if I'm wrong, some of our listeners or viewers jump on uh, YouTube or socials. Let's know the exact background. Um, but yeah, so he, I think he's kind of fallen into this trap of like, well, yeah, I'm one of you. I, I wore the uniform. At that mm. point in time, you're not. Yeah, and look, and, and you know, I, I stumbled across this interesting uh, sort of thought about the sacking, and, and I'll read it out. So it sort of says that commanding officers and other people in positions of leadership within the military are relieved of duty with a frequency most people aren't aware of. Okay, so this happens quite a bit. Yeah. And generally speaking, if someone goes wrong, if something goes wrong on a ship, regardless of whether the commanding officer played a role in it or not, the captain gets fired whether he was asleep in his cabin at the time or not. Captains can delegate authority to those below them in the chain of command, but they cannot delegate responsibility, which I think is a fantastic line and so true. However, the call to fire a commanding officer is usually made within the military leadership directly above them and almost never escalated to the level of the Secretary of Navy or Secretary of Defence. So the reports that Admiral, uh, sorry, uh, other Navy leaders advised against Modley relieving Crozier of command before an investigation was conducted. So senior Navy officials were saying to the secretary, don't fire him because you haven't had an investigation yet. Um, Sort of just compounds this really, really complex situation, the decisions that were made and, you know, gets me thinking and asking why, why would he even fire? What is different about this case? Is this Corona craziness? Do they need to be seeing to make some sort of action? Is it because it was such a staple of American forward posturing? I don't know. So many sort of questions about why this led to this. Or do you just do something you don't like? Or did you just do something that the Navy is just like, you know what, that that, yeah. that is not going to happen. So, and what sort, what sort of policy breaches a sackable offence as well? Exactly. Um, and, and that's it. Maybe this was just a mandatory, hey, 
he he publicized a letter that shouldn't have been publicized. Yeah. Simple as that. You know, it, it was a stupid decision. One stupid decision is all it takes, and that could have been it. But you know, it, it raises a lot of interesting questions. Um, but look, I think it's and I think it's really easy for people to just assume straight away the Navy's in the wrong here. You know, Captain Crozier was definitely in the right. He's a hero. He was a martyr. Um, everyone clapped him as he got off the ship. But, you know, I, I think that very often I find myself, when I, when I form an opinion like that, trying to force myself to see it from a different perspective. And, and I think that's what we were trying to do in this yeah. case study. Looking Take a contrarian view and see if you can discover something that exactly. you know, others, others might not be seeing in the situation. Absolutely. And, and, and it leaves me um, not really having a firm opinion on whether he made it or not, because I don't think you really can if, if you don't know all the facts. Um, no, one, well, I one... think Modley was a bit of a goose about the whole thing. Yes. Um, you know, uh, Crozier's letter, uh, the addressees, you know, it was, it was probably, um, it seems to have been written in careful consideration. Who it was yep. addressed to may yeah. have been uh, a rushed uh address a list out of frustration um and who knows if i don't know if he sat on that letter for a couple of days and then said no it's going out you yeah. know we, we we personally don't know um, or he hit send accidentally who hasn't done that yeah oh, that's, um, mate, so many times and you know what i really i can't find on microsoft outlook on the mac version yeah. i can't find the recall button and I'll oh tell you what, dangerous man, dangerous in this work from home time it is like yeah I, I am so careful. I'm like a jeweler cutting a diamond when I'm when I'm addressing <laughs> emails at the moment because you know what I'm like, listeners. You know, like I, I swore at the start of this live stream, so I didn't even know we were recording. Um, good, good. So you know, that's you know, maybe maybe he you know maybe he wrote it in careful consideration, but when he was addressing it, he he might not have taken the time. We don't know these things. This is just speculation, and we're mainly doing it to you know, chew up airtime so that we can keep the four listeners we've got on YouTube <laughs> watching us. Um, but yeah, you know, hey, four viewers, how are you? It was five uh, 20 yeah, minutes ago. So someone left. This point. But hey, uh, Lisa Foy from the US, uh, UK, US, from the UK. Hey. Is, um, she's a good good friend of the show. She's uh, she's uh, listening in and commenting on Twitter. So thanks for that. Caught up with Lisa for a beer, actually, in London uh, last oh, year. Nice. Um, nice. She's doing quite well. Um, and she didn't say to say hi to you. Um, so <laughs> how, how, how does a leader deal, though, Rich? How, how, what would you have done if you were Crozier? Uh, or if you were a grazier, take either question. You know what? That, that, I, mean, I can't answer that question. I'd rather be a grazier. <laughs> I can't answer that question. Uh, look, yep. all, I, all I can say is um, he left the ship with his sailors loving him. Um, you know, and some would say that that's the personification of leadership is, is having your know, men and women willing to follow you uh, wherever you go uh, yep. and, and have a professional love uh, for the relationship that you had with them and you could say mission accomplished uh, from what I saw you know he did it but there's so much more to leadership um, and and that's why I'm sort of left with you know I'm left with I just want to read more about this and, and continue tracking it maybe we'll do a follow-up on this uh, you know I'm sure this is not the last time we'll hear about Captain Brett Crozier I'm sure we're going to hear about him again I hear he's going to be reinstated into something or he might even be happen. reinstated as the captain of the ship um, yeah. I'll share this one. I've just found. I've just also worked out that. Um, no, I don't want to have you give me cookies. Not you, Rich. The the website. Uh, I just worked out. I haven't started recording this um this episode, uh, so I will be able to download the video later. So oh, this is almost God. this is this is this is why we shouldn't trust the guy with all this because I'm so lazy because I've got all the machines right. No. Um, yeah. The good news is that uh, 
I don't need to worry about recording it because it's a video on YouTube, so that's easy. Um, right, now I'm just going to share this screen. I keep promising that. Um, now, this is from a website I don't normally read in Australia, but um, mm. the Business Insider, I probably should actually, given my day job. Um, and it says, yeah, Navy hasn't ruled out reinstating the aircraft carrier Captain Fighter every time the coronavirus. Now, does that mean reinstating him... Into as, something. As the captain or into something? Because it would be really hard... To bring him me. back. Yeah, big no, time. I mean, you know, yeah, big time. But they've made him a martyr, right? So exactly. you, you remember, Richie, when um, there was a scandal in the Australian Defence Force Academy and the, the mm-hmm. minister, uh, political, uh, a politician, actually. So for, the, for our um, listeners out there don't understand the difference between US and Australian systems, you know, the, the Secretary of Navy is a political appointee. He's not actually a politician, but they're, they're chosen by a partisan politician. In Australia... Um, we don't. We we have uh, similar layers, but the Minister of Defence does a lot of what your Secretary of Defence would do in the US. And um, the Minister uh, summarily um, removed uh, the Commandant of the Australian Defence Force Academy during a particular scandal um, because of his perception of the handling of it. And in the investigation, it, it turned out that the Commandant had handled everything appropriately. Mm. Um, and. Uh, it didn't matter though. By the time that that had been done, you know, politically they'd created um, wasn't as much of a martyr as Crozier. You know, the cadets didn't all stand around and send the commandant off. They probably didn't know he was fired until days after he'd already left. Um, and you know that that person, you know, maintained their rank. They, you know, they were, you know, I don't think their career went much further. But they probably didn't want it to after that stage because they'd been treated uh, so roughly. But it goes to show that, like, you, if you create a martyr. Uh, are you furthering your cause as well? Um, and also, if you become the martyr, so all of this is really good for Crozier, right? He's he's given um, publicity the issue. He's fallen mm. on his sword, but he is not there right now mm. to look after his sailors. That's right. So and it's a tough one, hey. Regardless of where you fall, um, irregardless, on, in fact, irregardless of where you fall on this, you know, what, what scale of whose fault it is, did he do the right thing or do the wrong thing? It is an interesting case study because oh, it's, it's, it's an interesting case study because it really highlights to me one of the true uh, and, and often appearing leadership challenges that military leaders face nowadays yep. and potentially challenges that leaders didn't face to such scrutiny such speed in previous case studies or, or in uh, previous uh, military experiences that we've spoken about having this globalized social media public eye on everything you do and all the decisions you make yeah. and forming forming such strong opinions on that uh is is certainly something that we deal with we're not we but the the military and uh, you know, war fighting institutes deal with uh, in the contemporary uh, time, which, which that's a, that's, that's a pretty tough. Great segue into a book I'm reading at the moment called um, "From the Gracchi to Nero," and it's about um, it's about the fall of the uh, the Roman Republic, right? Uh, and one thing that used to happen a lot, uh, and and the speed is a bit that you're talking about here is you know, a lot of the consuls would go off and they'd have to fight these these foreign wars. Um, you know, uh, not wars of choice apparently, but you know, Rome had set the yeah. conditions for them, but um, there were special tribunals set up um, where anyone could lay a charge against a general because they thought they had misconducted themselves in the execution of a war. In fact, the whole Julius Caesar, um, let's say storyline, I don't know his history, but Julius Caesar's career trajectory, mm. uh, him crossing the Rubicon was because he decided to fight rather than go back to Rome as a citizen 
and risk being brought up on charges by a random politician who mm. wasn't on the front line with him mm. understanding the war. Now that's a really big simplification. All the historians and all the Rome fans are just going to smash me. Um, but it's interesting to see that this has been going on for a long time. And now with the speed of transmission that yeah. we have and that's the crazy. amount of people that can weigh in on the debate, yeah. um, you don't have to wait for a politician to, to do this. You know, some bloke sacks you and then you've got everyone on Twitter telling you exactly what they think about it. And I'll tell you what, I'm on Twitter a lot. A lot of those opinions just aren't worth the 140, 280 characters that they're written on. No. Most of them mine. Um, but, but, they're real. but they're, they're real. real. They're real. That's right. That's uh, Regardless of whether or not they have any weight, it's, right. it's still there. Let's wrap this thing up. So no, that is the not. case. That let's is the case study. <laughs> That's the case study of the USS Theodore Roosevelt and the plight um, of Captain Brett Crozier. The really big ship. It continues, and uh, and we will uh, continue to track it and hopefully do a follow up. Uh, of course, and if uh, Captain Brett Crozier is out there, feel free to call into the show. Yeah, I'm come sure on, you're listening. Call the show. Don't call tonight, though. I'm going. To so um as we finish up let's talk about our socials mick what do we got out there so we have we've got a youtube channel so go to youtube do. search for rich space n space mick rich and mick um it's uh it's got a couple of videos on there from this season uh, they, they're the only videos we have but um if you want to look at our faces do it i've got a wicked beard uh richie has no hair and uh there's also a facebook page uh war for idiots so it's just facebook dot com backslash war for idiots um jump on the page give us a like start chatting on there we can get on there and we can chat to you and sure. see how things are going um and then individual twitter pages so we've got uh we've got the shows page which is at war numeral four idiots um and that's probably our most uh active channel um mm. we're on there quite a bit um we've also got our individual twitter pages now richie's is easy it's at richie underscore triple t um, that's three T's. Don't write triple T in there. Uh, and, then, and there is uh, myself uh, at Mick underscore Cook. Now, if you want any more of those websites and addresses, go back to the video of episode one. I put them up on the screen. I'm not doing it on the live show because as you've seen, when I get try and get too technical, I end up doing things like recording while we're swearing and setting the show up. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you've enjoyed tonight's episode. Hopefully it got you thinking. Uh, go back and check out our back catalog. You can download one of the other 18 episodes or so that we have done. Um, and uh, leave a review. Go down there, yeah. click on some stars, hopefully in the uh, the five area. Yeah, we'll take it, four. We'll take four. We'll take four. We'll take four. Minimum. We'll like five. Um, there's already a few reviews from last week's. So thank you very much. Hey, and it was, it was really nice to get some good feedback on, you know, I felt welcomed back by a lot of people and uh, yeah, people enjoyed the, the kind of recap we've done. Um, in fact, Ground of Curiosity, um, a lot of people may know Ground of Curiosity. They're a great professional military education website out there. They um, they released a, a big Prezi, uh, mm. which is a presentation tool um, thing. We made the cut. I think we probably would have been cut from it if we didn't come if back last week. we didn't do week. that episode, so lucky us. We're lucky so then. lucky. Um, it is a massive resource. It is fantastic if you're looking to learn more about uh, war, current military uh, states, um, and also you know, military theory, or just what military people do when they want to uh, help each other learn and develop as a community of practice, jump on there. You'll be surprised. And most of the resources they have on there are actually produced by current or former military personnel. Mm. So it's absolutely brilliant. Um, check out our merchandise for sale. It's for sale on the store at the deadprussian.com, which is uh, left. Which is great, left. great. Yeah, there's, there's a lot left. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll make to order. Um, 
But uh, also, if you are an Australian veteran-owned business, um, reach out, get in touch with us. We've got some uh, got some things to chat to you about. So uh, feel free to, to do that because we know that there's quite a few Aussie veteran-owned businesses out there uh, doing it hard right now. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, that is the end of episode two of season two for War for Idiots. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, this is Rich. And this is Mick. And until next time, remember that we may be idiots. But so are you. War for Idiots is a TDP production. All opinions expressed by individuals on the podcast are those of the individual and not necessarily representative of any other organisation. The music used during War for Idiots is Fireworks by Jazar and is used under an attribution share alike 3.0 international licence.